it's never too late because I think as humans, regardless of what it is, if, and if it's unfamiliar to us or we're confused or it's just totally out of our depth and we don't know what to do, the thing that cuts through that is a desire. Like I have no idea what to do, but what I do know is I want my marriage. I do know I want to be able to communicate better. I do know that I want to feel better about this thing or learn how to do this thing. That always can be possible. I'm Sharia Woods. I'm a dreamer, a mom, and a community builder. I've always loved learning people's stories and figuring out how to keep getting better. And I created the Rise Society podcast to give you the inspiration and step-by-step strategies you need to get clear on what you want so you can design a life you love. If you know there's something bigger in this world for you and you're ready to figure out what it is, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey friends, today I'm back with another episode that I think you'll love. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with relationship expert Shamaya Derrick and talk about all things relationships and communication. We started with dating and how to create your dating resume and and get really clear on what you want. And then we talked about communication in serious relationships and marriages. And Shamaya dropped so many gems, including how to start hard conversations in a healthy way. She really makes the case about why it's so important for all of us to either participate in relationship therapy or at the very least be students of the principles and practices to have healthy relationships. There's so much good stuff in this episode. You really don't want to miss it. Here's a little bit more about Shamaya. She's the founder and owner of Profound Peace Psychotherapy Collective, a private practice that provides individual, couples, and family therapy in Illinois and Wisconsin. Acknowledged as one of the best couples therapists in Chicago by Marriage.com, she is also the founder of Relationships Redefined, a program that empowers couples with communication tools and tips to complement ever-changing relationships and life's challenges. And she lives in Chicago with her husband. All right, here we go. Hello there, this is Sharia, and I'm here with Shamaya, and we are so happy to have her here today. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships and how we can communicate better. Shamaya, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I guess before we dive into the meat of this conversation, can you tell us a little bit about your practice? So I am a licensed relationship therapist. I see individual clients as well as couples. So my individual clients are either those who are single and looking to be in a relationship or some who are in a dating relationship all the way up to couples who are married and have a lot of history. And what we look at is the type of relationship that they want, how they show up in those relationships and where the gaps are. Um, And then also being a licensed psychotherapist, we look at things that might be impacting those relationships, whether it's trauma or mental health issues, um, sometimes addictions or other things that we need to account for. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I love that you start on that arc from dating relationship all the way through like I'm married and now we need to work through different things. So I guess let's start at the beginning for those that might still be in the dating phase. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make in the the spouse that they select? The concept of relational therapy is achieving mental wellness and relationships contributing to that positive mental wellness. What I see a lot of times is the mistake that people make is them choosing someone that they think is going to give them that happiness or positivity 
and it's actually quite the opposite. And so what happens is there's things that maybe they haven't done for themselves. So it's hard for them to then advocate for themselves in a relationship or they're still understanding themselves. And so in relationships or marriages, our task is, is to teach our spouse or partner you know, who we are and how to be in a relationship with us and how to love us. If you haven't answered those questions for yourself, it's near impossible for your partner to know that. Yeah, that's so good. It's like doing that self-work on the front end so that you're ready to fully be in a relationship. That's so important. So what kind of advice do you give people? I mean, I know they could come to you and spend some time with you and work through things, but if they don't have a therapist yet, uh, what would you suggest are some first steps in kind of readying yourself for a relationship? I'm always a fan of therapy. (laughs) I'm doing that. That's number one. But if not, I really think whatever is beneficial for them, some people are really into journaling or, you know, meditation, starting to get used to having time that is a ritual for you to really think about who you are currently and like, what does that mean? So if someone were to even ask you that question of like, you know, tell me about yourself, who are you? We tend to go to what we do what our job is, kind of, you know, things, actions, transactions. But in terms of describing who we are as people, we struggle with that. And I think if someone is thinking about dating or kind of restarting, that's been a really common thing now that we're a couple of years post the initial pandemic, people are talking about getting out there and how the dating game has changed so much. And now a lot of dating um, starts on the apps. Um, It's not like it was, I guess, before and meeting people kind of in your day-to-day life. Either way, however they get to it or whatever their goal is in dating, which is a key thing. Um, If someone is coming to see me, we talk about why do you want to date? Like specifically, why do you want to date right now? Kind of encourage them to have an answer to that question because sometimes they go, I don't know. I, I just thought that's what I should be doing or it seemed like the thing to do. But I think having that, very specific answer to that question makes a difference because if it's like, hey, you know what, I want a long-term relationship, I want it to grow into a potential long-term partnership or a marriage, and I really want to commit to someone, that's going to change then who you might choose to go on dates with or who you choose to sort of let in kind of your emotional um, and mental space. If it's just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm lonely, like I want to keep doing stuff by myself, like my friend kind of makes it up. So if you want something that's more casual and respectful, that's going to be different because you're not then probably going to go for someone who's like, I want a marriage if that's not where you are. So answering those questions really sets the tone for then what your dating experience looks like. Mm, I love that. So being more intentional on the front end of like, what do I want to accomplish? Why are you even doing this? Are you doing it just because people are telling you you should, or you know, what is your actual intention for that work? That's really, really good. Um, and you mentioned the new landscape of dating. It ages me when I think about it, because when my husband and I met, we actually did meet online. We met on eHarmony, uh, but there were no dating apps. And so we were like the trendsetters back then or like, you know, didn't want to tell anybody we met online because it was so kind of new and, and different. Um, but now it's completely changed. So what are you hearing from people that are in this dating app world? Like, what is that landscape like? Oh, it's rough. Um, it's very, 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 very rough. Some of the apps lend themselves to, um, certain behaviors and either that works for someone or that doesn't. And we talk about that. So once they kind of started to get some clarity around their reasons for dating, it's like, okay, if you're very clear that you want this, is that the app that lends itself to that? Because if it's not, then that's not the app for you. So you need to you know, make a different choice. It's getting a little bit better. Or I think maybe people are getting better about navigating them. Because I think, gosh, it's 
it is kind of the new norm in so many ways, but it's probably one of the most difficult things to do just because of the anonymity and like trying to work up to get to know someone. It's like, you know, how do I even know that this is accurate or I can trust this? Because anyone could say anything from anywhere. And it really is a difficult task. Um, I have empathy for those who are in the dating world right now. A lot of my individual clients um, who are single, like they're coming you know, to see me for relational therapy because they're trying to navigate these things and trying to you know, be intentional. But I think that's the biggest frustration where they're doing all the things that they can do. They're doing great work, but they're coming across people who have not. And so that clash with like, I'm trying to be as transparent, authentic and like intentional and I'm getting people who are quite the opposite. Um, and that's the hard part. Yeah. You said that the app you choose makes a difference. So are, are you seeing that there are some that are better than others? I know you may not want to pick winners and losers here, but if you have any recommendations, that would be great to share. Sure. I'm seeing a little bit more success um, with Hinge that seems to be have leveled some things out for people as well as coffee meets bagel oh i haven't heard of that one there's a couple that are more centered around it and i think it's really really smart and so the thing about them is it kind of takes some of the pressure off like the, when you think about kind of the essence of that it's more about like coming across people that you would maybe go and have a cup of coffee with like not necessarily like throwing all your eggs in one basket just more casual like literally I just want to get to know you and maybe there's a friendship that develops maybe there's an interest that we might want to you know pursue more that I think is feeling better for people because they talk about um, how much pressure just the, the pressure all the time and what it requires to show up in that way and just like it just starts out just sort of so um, anxiety provoking for people because there's like this odd expectation I think that they feel societally around dating. And so it gets them very much out of their element. Um, but I would say those are the two that have been coming up a little bit more um, that seem to be doing better just because I think they really hit on something really smart because in the relationship world, we talk about um, successful relationships start with successful friendships, like getting to know someone as just a friend or something always different about relationships that start that way versus relationships that start with like a label, like we had to figure out what this is really quickly. I don't recommend that. Mm, yeah, that's really good. So starting out with that friendship piece, getting to know each other. And that kind of reminds me of something that we talk about a lot on this show is the idea of ex expectation setting. And then also like expectations overall and how that can really derail <laughs> when you have mm -hmm. this really high level, like, oh, it's going to be so amazing. You know, it's okay to have that North Star, but like as we're getting there, there's going to be steps along the way. And so really setting and managing those expectations as we go to say like the first date isn't going to be maybe my husband. Like it could be like you could get lucky, but like how do you advise people about just like getting out of there and starting and taking the first step? And, you know, you may have to go on a few dates and that sort of thing. Like how do you have those conversations with people? I mean, I'm... <laughs> not in it so it's probably fun for me but not fun for them um but i love talking about when people are deciding to approach dating because one of the things we talked about is like have you written your dating resume do you mm. know what qualities the candidate that you are looking for should have and people get a little bit thrown over what do you mean like everybody's different and all these things i'm like of course like we're affirming across the board and all those things but when you're talking about trying to build a relationship with someone, to me, there's nothing more precious in this world than allowing someone into your physical, emotional, and mental space. 
and that should not just be anyone. And so they'll say like, you know, well, I don't want to be too picky. And I love having that conversation because I'm like, there, in my opinion, as it pertains to relationships, you can never be too picky. <laughs> and never say that you should that you deserve less than what you really, really want for something that could be life changing for you. So we talk about that and kind of work through, all right, what is the dating resume? What are we saying? Like, will you come across some outliers? Sure. And that might work, but it's okay to start out with a very specific set of, you know, sort of characteristics because I think what happens with dating sometimes is that people have not done that. So they might actually come across someone who's checking the boxes, quote unquote. Um, but they don't, they can't recognize it because they haven't really sat with it to know like, oh, actually, this is something that I find valuable or this is something that would be meaningful to me. Um, so from there, once they are more clearer on that, um, again, taking that pressure off, it's like, okay, dating is not marriage. Dating is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be exploratory and it's trial and error. It's experimentation across the board. Some of them are going to go great and some of them are not. And you won't know the great ones, unfortunately, until you have some that are not quite checking the box. There's value in knowing what doesn't work. That's just as valuable as knowing what does. Mm, So it's all that journey of like getting to know people and then figuring out from there. It's like you can kind of course correct. Oh, I thought I wanted this, but actually when I saw it, this is not exactly what I want. And then make those slight adjustments as you find that right person. Um, And I know one of the things you specialize in is communication. And so that really brings out some of those points of like, as you're dating or as you're dating and you're kind of in those early stages of your relationship, like what type of conversation should people be trying to have? And like, how should they approach those conversations? You always see like on TV, there's a person that's like first date asking all these super intense questions and scaring the guy away. So it's like, you don't necessarily want to do that. But then you want to have some good conversations so that you're really getting to know each other. So what recommendations do you give around that? So I really encourage people to go past the basics and the surface level stuff that you can Google. So they go to the, you know, where are you from? And what do you do? And all types of things. And that's fine to ask those things. So I'm like, go a little bit deeper, like get creative. Um, because I think but to your point about people feeling like, oh, I don't want to be too intense too quickly or like scare anyone off. Someone who's interested to get to know you will be intrigued. It might catch them a little bit off guard, but in a really good way. They'll still be like, oh, I didn't expect that, but this is interesting to me. They're not going to be scared off. And so I think kind of having more conversations around sort of who they are as a person, not only just what are you interested in, like getting to the why, like why are you interested in that? How did you get started in that? And like getting really good at asking deeper questions to get away from some the therapy where we talk about sort of the what questions, you want to get to the why questions. Those are the why, the answers to the why questions are what build relationships. Mm, yeah, I love that. Like getting to know who the person really is instead of just like what they're currently doing. And I mm-hmm. guess as you get into, or as you get into the relationship a little bit more, right? Like maybe you're seriously dating or you're even engaged. Like how does communication change then? Like you often hear people talking about, or you often hear people say like, when we were dating, it was so great. And then we got serious and now it's all going downhill. <laughs> so okay. how do you, how do you advise people in those situations? Sure. So the majority of couples I see, usually there's communication issues um, or sometimes there's been some, you know, deeper issues. But the number one thing, it doesn't matter what they're coming to um, couples therapy for, 
we will always work on communication because there's either a couple things have happened. Either something has happened and they actually had really good communication, but it's been strained. So we have to go back and kind of fill in the gaps and get that um, back up to speed. Or sometimes they didn't have some of the communication basics. So they were okay with communicating as dating and even as they developed a friendship, but something didn't happen when they moved over to a more serious relationship. And that's not something that we just automatically know how to do. Like if you, so in a lot of cases, if you haven't gone to couples therapy or if you're not really, really, really motivated and kind of self-guided to do a lot of, you know, deeper work on your own, read a lot of books written by therapists or things like that, you don't get this information naturally. And so we go back to the basics of like, let's talk about literally what certain things mean to you. Because a lot of communication issues just come from the fact that it's two different people with two different perspectives. They each could say the same thing, but they receive it differently because their context is differently, different. So we talk about compromise. We talk about agreement and like those really foundational principles. Because in my opinion, there's not anything that cannot be talked about, even tough topics. And that's always my goal is I'm working with individuals or couples is to give them, help them build like a custom toolbox where regardless of what comes at them, because life is going to always throw you curveballs, that they are prepared. Like, okay, I know how to you know advocate for myself. I know how to communicate something that someone might not want to hear, but it's necessary for them to hear, for them to hear it in a way that's gentle, in a way that the message can be received, and then we can have a dialogue around those things. So we spend quite a bit of time on communication. And so, um, because it's kind of the starting point, because regardless of their actual reason for coming to therapy, if they can get really strong communication tools in the toolbox, everything else is easier. It's very hard to work on deep, hurtful issues if you don't know how to communicate well and gently. Yeah, I think sometimes there can feel like there's a risk that you don't want to hurt the person or you don't want to make it worse by saying the thing that maybe needs to be said. But what are your thoughts around like how do you communicate and kind of have those hard conversations, but then do it in a way that still builds up the relationship instead of, you know, maybe saying something you can't take back or, or doing something that, that actually hurts the relationship? Sure. So I practice um, Gottman Method Couples Therapy. So it was founded by Julie and John Gottman. I really appreciate their approach because it's all communication based and it teaches these like foundational things that I think are really great and they apply to a majority or a variety of demographics where some modalities feel like they don't really account for diversity. Um, And one of their foundational principles that I love, I teach this to every single client, individual couple, doesn't even matter, is the gentle startup. And it's a format of saying, I feel X about Y and I need Z. And what we work on is there's different ways you can finesse that, but the essence of it is being able to put a topic on the table communicate your feeling about it and what you need as a result. And it removes blame. It removes kind of that, because it's very, tone of voice matters. But the goal is that it's a way of gently being able to, um, put a, again, put a problem on the table, describe you know what it is that you need and the why. Because sometimes I think in day-to-day life, or if there's a lot of stress or there's a lot of anxiety, the what gets communicated and either the other partner kind of tunes it out or it does then get a little bit more aggressive because there's frustration there. It kind of tells the full story of like, hey, here's something that's important to me. Here's something that I need. I'm feeling this way because I'm not getting this thing. And here's what you know I need instead, or here's what I do need. And so it's like giving your partner kind of the formula 
for them to be able to show up and support you or, you know, provide you what you need. And so it's communicating what you need, but it's also still in under the umbrella of like, hey, I'm in this with you. I'm not upset. I'm telling you what I need so that we can be better. Yeah, that's really good. Really helpful. As you are counseling couples and talking to people, I wonder how often they're coming and it feels like it's too late. Maybe it's never too late. But do you find that couples sometimes wait until things are so bad that there's little to be done about it at that point? I don't, in a sense. So my feeling about therapy and couples therapy in particular, even couples who are literally like on the brink of divorce and they may have even filed. Some some couples do um, come to couples therapy so they can navigate actually terminating their relationship. It's never too late because I think as humans, regardless of what it is, if, and if it's unfamiliar to us or we're confused or it's just totally out of our depth and we don't know what to do, the thing that cuts through that is a desire. Like I have no idea what to do, but what I do know is I want my marriage. I do know I want to be able to communicate better. I do know that I want to feel better about this thing or learn how to do this thing. That always can be possible. Yeah, that's really good. And then I guess whatever relationship you're getting into next, you'll be more prepared to enter into that relationship as well. All right. So I know you put together an amazing quiz that helps people figure out what their communication style is so that they can better communicate with their partners. Can you tell us a little bit about the quiz and the different personalities that you call out in it? Sure. So one of the things that's always really fun, again, just fun for me, is looking at communication and helping people to better understand. Because I think it's a little, communication is a two-way um, dynamic. It's both what's being said and how it's received and vice versa. So the communication quiz looks at the ways and trends that I've seen with all the different people that I've worked with over the years and the types of communicators. Because it's varied, but it's also interesting that it's kind of very similar. There's four types, ultimately, um, that the quiz uncovers, um, one of which is the overthinker. Um, it's definitely what it sounds like um, people who sort of second guess themselves or they're like, oh, I should say this, but how do I say this? And I don't really know. Um, or even after conversations have happened, they're still thinking about it. Like, I should have said this and I should have said that. And so they're kind of you know, going back and forth. Um, the over-talkers who are really just, ah, they just want to get it out. And they're like, look at me, I'm communicating. But they're communicating so much that there's not even space for the other person to get a word in. Or And usually over-talkers are not listening either. Um, it's a very sort of one-way um, mode of communication, which is just as hard and problematic. Um, also, the escape artist. Um, there are some people who will avoid, avoid, avoid anything that feels like confrontational. So people talk about like, oh, I don't like confrontation. Um, or anything that feels like it might get tense or it might be stressful, like those tough topics. They will skirt those till the end, <laughs> the end, very, very end. Um, and then there's one that's, you know, kind of, uh, I'm seeing a little bit more of a, uh, it's called the communication student where they're not perfect. They're not doing everything perfectly, but they're doing a really good job at making an attempt to communicate gently and clearly. They're making an attempt to listen a little bit more and ask questions to clarify versus making assumptions. And usually those people are probably in some pretty deep um, and, and intentional couple uh, therapy or individual therapy, actually, go either way. Um, where they recognize how important communication is to them and their relationship or marriage, and they really want it to be better. That's really great because I can think about different times where I've had those different styles. Um, but I also think about like how useful it is to be aware of like what your style is 
so that you can show up better in your relationships. And so how do you suggest people, if they take your quiz, how should they use the information that they get to then show up better in their relationships? Oh, for sure. So when you take the quiz, it tells you what your type is based on um, the questions that are asked. It also does ask for your email address because what you will get are emails. You're supposed to get emails that talk about your communication style and ways in which you can start to kind of tweak some things. It gives you some things to practice as well, just based on your style and how to communicate your style to your partner. So if you're a person that, let's say, maybe overthinks, um, you may even have to say like, hey, you know what, what I'm recognizing is that I'm maybe not as present in conversations because I'm concerned and kind of overthinking about these things. So for certain conversations, it might be better for you to actually plan them so that you can kind of have your thoughts sort of um, outlined out. Or if it does have to be on the fly, getting in the practice of saying to your partner, like, okay, I think we you know, did pretty well with this conversation. I might have other thoughts or questions. So if I come back, is that okay? It's not because I'm second guessing you. It's just the way that I process. There's a lot of value in that. Same thing with over talkers. Like I think they um, have a lot of work to do with listening skills. So they might be communicating to their partner of like, hey, I'm trying to be more mindful. Um, and if they're in you know, therapy with me, sometimes we work on timers. You have two minutes to express your idea about this to your partner in a gentle way. And at the two minute mark, we're going to pause. So with the quiz, um, again, it gives you that or what your type is. There's a little bit of a description about what that type typically looks like or how it might be showing up. Yeah, that's great. And we'll definitely link to the quiz in the show notes so people can go and take it and find out what their style is. Curious also if you have any good recommendations for resources or tools or different things that people can access that can help them with communication or just great relationship books or things like that. Um, I created a set of couples journals. The journals are around communication, literally. And so it's I created these really intentionally because I wanted it to be a shared experience. Because what happens often in couples is that there's this imbalance that they feel of like, well, I'm the one, you know, doing the thing and I'm the one in therapy and they're not. I'm the one that's reading the books and they're not. So it's meant for both partners to equally um, participate in them. And it asks different questions about you as an individual that helps you put it together as it pertains to your relationship. It's like a way of looking at what you need and helping explore emotions and things like that. Because once you're in the relationship, especially when you have a lot of history, you're not necessarily having those conversations, which is something that's really key because who you were on day one and who you are at year five or year 10 or year 15, it's all very different. And so it really talks about, you know, history and things like that. So there's a lot that gets done in that 30 days. I am always a Gottman fan. Um, They don't really talk about communication as much, but what I think is really beneficial to ties into it is um, friendship. And so they have several books that are around marriage, but one of theirs is um, like eight dates. The concept is there's eight date types that every couple should put in their repertoire. And the book kind of walks you through what examples are. You can kind of plan them out. And it's around different topics, which I think is really interesting um, in terms of finances or intimacy comes up quite a bit. I think there's one just around like leisure and fun. Like when are you able to kind of take off the role, just be authentically who you are and just have fun? Because those things get lost once responsibilities, kids, mortgages, 
job things. We all still are kind of navigating a pandemic and life changes. And so I think the essence of fun gets lost quite a bit. So I would say that's a really, really good one. Yeah, I would definitely say the eight dates. They also got me to have um, the seven principles of marriage. It's like a more elevated version, I would say of eight dates because it talks about various themes throughout your relationship in your marriage and how these are the things that you need to make sure are really strong to maintain a relationship in marriage over time and the key being over time like you're changing all the time and so really getting into a routine and a practice around like what does this look like for us in this season if this changes when we have children if there's illness like it's going to change and so it's really nice i think in talking about some of those concepts that you can take with you So you counsel a number of people. I'm curious, like, are you seeing any themes of different challenges that people are facing? I know one of the hardest things sometimes when you're going through challenges in your marriage is you feel like alone and you're like, does anybody else have this problem? Like, what are some of the things that you see that are super common that maybe people don't think are common? Yes. It's like this dynamic of complacency that happens. So there's many people that are in a marriage that they don't love, that it doesn't excite them. They love their partner or their spouse, but they're not loving their marriage. And so they kind of will describe it as like, well, it's not the worst, or this is not happening. I'm like, okay, but that sounds mediocre. I don't want a mediocre marriage. (laughs) I don't. I don't want a mediocre marriage. I'm not saying mine is perfect. What I'm saying is I want to think about my marriage and think about it in a positive way and think about it in an exciting way and like what's coming up and what is like the next thing like i want to have some energy around that and so there's this exhaustion and a little bit of like complacency i think that has occurred for quite a number of couples because that just sort of grows and it impacts it makes communication strains so people we all know when you get a little bit tired or you know fatigued or burned out you're a little bit short um you're probably a little bit more stressed and so you're not kind of the nicest you know warmest person to be around so you deal with that so then if you're on the receiving end of that you're like i'm just not going to say anything and so now there's silent treatment that's set up for days or weeks at a time which is really really dangerous in your relationship or marriage so intimacy of any sort comes off the table emotional physical etc um, so that's been further strained and so, you know, so on and so forth. And so they kind of get in this autopilot type situation of like, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, we do it again. We get up, we take the kids to school, we go to work, we come home, we do it all over again. And so there's no excitement. There's nothing that feels like, oh, this is something I really value or I really do love my partner. They're having difficulty seeing their partner in an exciting light. I think a lot of that has happened. I think a lot of couples struggled um, throughout the pandemic because we just didn't, we, none of us were prepared for that. And so having to occupy the same space as much as people did um, and try to navigate really stressful things without the tools, I think did leave them quite like this depleted. So I'm definitely seeing that as a trend. On the other side, I'm seeing a very interesting trend of couples who understand how important communication is and they are doing the work that's required to improve communication, but they're overshooting. So it's almost like the competition that sets up. And the danger in that is that you're two individuals then combating each other. You're not a team like approaching it that way so then partnership teamwork kind of you know compromise things like that get very strange um, and difficult and so then there's there's that 
One of the most common ones has to do with issues uh, people feel around sort of their sex life or physical intimacy. And that's actually the easier one to solve because what I truly believe is that when people, unless there's something medically or biologically going on, um, if someone tells me that there's issues in sort of their physical intimacy or their sex life, that's not a physical problem, that's an emotional problem. There's something that's not happening that allows you to want to feel open and express yourself um, in that way with your partner. So one partner might be very closed off. Um, one partner might lean too much towards that because there's actually real conversations and emotional connection that needs to happen. Um, the way that I usually describe it to you know my couples is sex is about 2% physical and 98% emotional and mental. If you check the emotional and mental box, you definitely don't need to be concerned about sexual health. Yeah, that's really good. That first part where you were talking about the relationship kind of, it sounded to me like slowly dying, <laughs> where mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of lulled to sleep. I feel like that's yeah. more common than the more dramatic situations because I feel mm-hmm. like you watch TV and you think like, oh, it's going to be like cheating and like mm-hmm. fighting or gambling. I don't know. It's just like crazy things that are going to happen. But a lot of times it's not anything crazy, yeah. right? It's just simple not having that excitement. So like, what do you suggest when people are kind of in that being lulled to sleep cycle? Like, how do you help them think about re-energizing and reinvigorating their marriages? Mm -hmm. So we kind of go at it with a game plan. So it's almost like as an individual, I think we all hit this point where, you know, we're not as on top of our self-care, we're not exercising as much, and we're kind of just like, you know, just hanging out. Um, And so it's the same thing. It's like, so then if that's the case as an individual, it's like, all right, I need to probably eat better, drink more water, get back on my vitamins, like get some exercise. And like, you got to reapproach that. Um, It's the same thing with the couples. I'm like, okay, what is communication looking like? How much time are you even setting aside time intentionally to have a conversation about your relationship? Not what needs to be done, not the calendar, not what's coming up. How are you feeling about the relationship in this moment? Even if it is like, yeah, I'm not really being fulfilled. Okay, that's fine. You have to be able to address that. So we get them on a ritual of like setting aside intentional time to have a conversation. If you don't navigate around bedtimes and kids, that's okay. You can figure that out. Um, as well as date, um, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to always be going out. It can be at home. It's the same thing. The key behind all of it is intentionality. Um, and being able to make it a ritual. Because usually once people get to that point of that kind of sort of checked out space, it's because the intention around turning towards your partner and giving them that love, attention, and making them a priority has not been a priority. And so you have to, the only way to get out of it is to sort of flip it around. And this is very common with couples who have children. So they'll talk about, well, you know, we really need to focus on um, being the parents. And so we have an honest conversation about that. I was like, well, has that ever been a time that, you know, the kids were at risk? Like, anybody was starving? Anybody was harmed? Anything? The answer is always no. But the kids will be fine. You're not going to not show up for your kids. You're not showing up for each other. So we're going to take kids off the table, and we're going to focus on the two. That's really good. So how do people respond when you say that? Because I know, especially for moms, it can be like, my kids are my whole world. I can't like <laughs> put them second. Like how do how do people work around that? Or have you seen success with people really leaning into that? For sure. So we talk about time. So for most, let's say, you know, a married wife, uh, a man mother. So I'm like, there should be time for you, time for the kids, 
you know, we live in, most of us live in the U.S., and so we got to work capitalist society. <laughs> um, as well as your partner, um, and that's just a basic four. It has nothing to do with extended family or anyone else. So, like, how do you want to divide up that time? And I really have them go through that exercise. But with the caveat that you have to go first and your partner has to go second. How does that shift things? And it's a little bit uncomfortable for them. So it's like, if you put the kids first, what does that really mean? Because what usually it, you flip it around, it's usually flipped around and there's not time for them. There's not time for their spouse. It's like, like you making this adjustment, what feels like it's going to fall apart? Yeah. Yeah, this is really good. Thanks for sharing so much with us. I feel like people maybe who haven't explored relationship therapy may be more interested after hearing you talk about the different <laughs> things that you do with your clients and how you help them work through some of the challenges that, you know, maybe it doesn't feel like it's something you don't need to take care of because it's quiet, you know, but it, your relationship should be exciting. It should be energizing. And I love what you said, too, about setting your intention for how you want your relationship to look like. Because it kind of fits with the one in the beginning where you were talking about setting your intention for dating. And so it's like at every phase that you're going on the journey, like making sure you're really being intentional about like how you want to show up in that relationship and that situation and like what you want to get out of it and working towards um, getting to that point. For sure. I mean, I think it's a really challenging time for relationships with social media and it's like what people are posting and all these different things. And I'm like, it's no judgment, but it's like, okay, if you want that Instagram worthy relationship, even though we know all of it's not altogether true, are you doing the things to get there? Are you doing, are you setting aside the time to go on these amazing like dates that you can take really beautiful photos of? Are you setting aside time that isn't just for, you know, transactional things where you can have actual time off and go on trips and vacations, you know, whether that includes your children or not? Are you setting aside time to take care of yourself, you know, physically and treat yourself and pamper yourself so that you feel, you know, rejuvenated and, you know, excited and, you know, comfortable and attractive? Um, because I'm like, all of that is possible if that's what you really want. Mm, I love that. So using the social media as inspiration instead of thinking of it as, you know, I can't get to this unattainable thing. It might be a great way to reframe it. It's like, well, what do you what do you see that you really enjoy on Instagram? And then how can you add a little bit of that to your life? I love that approach. At the end of each interview, I love to ask people what they would tell their younger self if they could go back. You can think if you want to go back 10 years, 20 years, however far you want to go back. But what would be one thing that you would tell your younger self? I would say to listen to your instincts a little bit more because people always have opinions and some of those opinions are valuable but some of them are actually not um so really like knowing that if you're doing you know put on the right things and you know if you're trying to be a good person and you know taking care of you know business listening to those instincts um and have it kind of it's balanced by like having faith that if you're doing the quote unquote right things, listening to your instincts, the faith that it's going to work out. Like you don't need to overstress or overdo it um, for whatever reasons or for other people's reasons, like it's going to be fine. I love that. Yeah. It's like you do the work and you stay focused and it's going to work out for you. Well, thanks for joining us today. How can people find you if they want to reach out for relationship therapy or if they want to get access to your books or quizzes? Just let us know all the places they can find you. 
Sure. So um, everything is available on my website, shamayaderek.com. Um, and I try to share quite a bit of content around um, the relational side of things, both for couples and individuals. Um, more The most on Instagram, um, which is it's at redefine.your.relationship. So there's, again, just kind of quick, easy things if we're all on social media at some point. So I do try to post, you know, consistent reels. And a lot of those reels are based on questions that I get um, from people. So if you have a question, you can always, you know, either DM me or you can send a um, a message through my website. And then I'll try to have that um, answer show up in um, the content. Or also they can um, opt into my email list because I do send emails out um, periodically as well. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today and for staying until the very end of the show. It would mean the world to me if you would follow the Rise Society podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep shining.